cliffcentral.com. So it is Friday morning. It's Easter morning. And uh, you're with me, MKT, this morning. The rest of the team, of course, enjoying their Easter Friday. It's Good Friday, they call it. I'm, I'm joined by my favorite from the 80s show, Dory van Loggerenberg. How's it going, Dory? Hey, yeah, um, it's early. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm here, I'm awake. I'm actually even dressed. <laughs> so you are wearing pants, just to confirm. I'm definitely wearing pants. I can prove it. That's awesome. How, how, what's, uh, what's that like? It's a change from my usual routine. <laughs> so you're <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good for you, Dory. What's news this morning? Um, well, um, I'm just yeah hanging out. The sun is coming up. So if you're looking at me on the screen, I know it's a bit dark, but uh, yeah, um, got my cat hanging out with me. I know you love cats so much, Mbolelo. Oh my you're goodness, big cat fan. Yeah, it's, uh, the. The opposite of that is true. I'm I am not a big cat fan. When uh, I'm done with you, you'll be a cat fan. I'm I'm working my magic. Dory, what's that thing where if you if you're around a cat enough, eventually, like if you're allergic and then you, you you're not allergic, or what's that whole transition called? No, there's a thing that they um, give off these like pheromones that make you love them. Happened to a friend of mine. She used to hate cats. Now she's the biggest cat lover on earth. But is is this uh, where does this friend live? In Australia. Ah, that's hard. I mean, you move to Australia, you'll learn to love anything. Mm. Not the greatest person. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Dory, Easter morning. Mm. Uh, yes, Easter what do you do? Hot, do you do the whole hot cross buns thing, Easter eggs, or what's your story? Yeah, um, we will do an Easter egg hunt on Sunday because that's the usual tradition. Uh, so, I've got a whole bunch of Easter eggs stashed in the cupboard. Um, for I have a 12 year old daughter who is dying to find some Easter eggs and uh, got some hot cross buns, although we did eat most of them last night. So we got a bit of a jump start on those. You know, you can't wait. And I'm going shopping like once a week. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And and the thing about like when they, when kids are like 12, that's like an age where they don't come ask for permission anymore. Right. Oh yeah. It's just no. like, I'm in the kitchen. I don't care about anybody. And she's just doing whatever she wants, ransacking the house. Absolutely. Do you think that's like a, a thing for most parents? What's the hardest thing of being a parent? Like we are obviously, we're obviously in lockdown, which yeah. is not, not ideal, I'd imagine, as a parent. But what's the hardest part of, of it all? Is it the, like the schooling well, or what's the hardest well, part? Well, I have to say I'm very grateful that um, I do have a 12-year-old during lockdown. I feel very sorry for people with younger kids. Mm -hmm. um, sure. So that, it's a challenge. But Well, I mean, the biggest challenge for most people is that – most of the schools are doing some form of online schooling mm -hmm. and most of my friends are also working from home. So they're trying to do their job full time and now they have to become a homeschool teacher at the same time, <laughs> which is just insane. So I'm very grateful that my child pretty much does her own thing with her homework. She does come to ask me for help once in a while and I help where I can. I'm good with the English help. I'm no good with the maths. Maths is not my thing. So what do you do? Just outsource that? Well, what, do you, what do you do? Go online no, and, math, and, math, and get math, somebody from like bad. India or China. The in, <laughs> like Indian people and Chinese people. Unbelievable at math. Um, her dad's very good at math. So we outsource to dad for math. Is dad Indian or Chinese? No, he's not. <laughs> well, that is a surprise. <laughs> no stereotypes here whatsoever. No, but they, they, they focus on educating children. Like I, I remember um, seeing some of the maths that... 12 and 11 year old kids do in, in China 
when I was in matric, like we were just doing it. Like I, I could barely do our maths in South Africa. And I saw yeah. what they were doing at 11 and 12. It's like university stuff. Yeah. No, so. look, I mean, I'm sure that there's an advantage there in the long run. But, you know, we'll just pace ourselves over here. Yeah. I personally have not used any maths at all since I left school. So <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> so what do you do? No budgeting? You, you, you don't believe in budgeting at all? I do budget, but I have a calculator and an app on my phone. Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't have to use my maths brain ever. I mean, I once, like, you know, if I'm shopping, I'll maybe, like, you know, look at, at the shelves and compare prices. I can see which numbers are higher and lower. That's pretty much the maths I use in my daily life. That's it. So, what do you reckon? Pythagoras theorem, what a waste. Totally. What yeah. do you mean here for? You definitely I mean, shouldn't tell your kids. I understand that. if you're an architect or an engineer or something like that and you need to, like, do, like, complicated equations. Yeah. But. What about the, the guys that code people. the software on your phone there, Dory? That's, that's mostly just mathematics. Oh, well, I'm not doing that, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, so you, you don't need maths, so the, no, the rest I of the world, uh, I, I, I got you. And uh, so some people, if they're sick individuals out there that haven't listened to the 80s show, Dory, they, they don't know that you host the 80s show yes. with a man that'll be joining us uh, in a little bit at like 6.30. Hmm. Um, but I was on a, I was, so I do a live stream every single Thursday on Instagram live. And yeah. I was, I was talking to people last week because it's usually just about sport. And then somebody chimed in about music and they're like, Hey, when are you guys getting a 90s show? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? Like, why would we do such a thing? That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> like. 90s worst decade of music. No, I don't think it's the worst. I think that anything after 2000 was probably worse. So you think the 90s still had some redeeming features? Give me about it. Give me five. Like what? Do you know we had Britney Spears in the 90s? That was the pinnacle. It was like Tony Braxton and Britney Spears. That was the peak. Mm, but we also had Nirvana and the whole grunge scene. And one of my favorite bands came out in the 90s. That's a band called Bush. Also came out in the whole grunge scene. Yeah. So uh, there's some cool stuff. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not so big. Like the rest in peace, but I'm not like Kurt Cobain wasn't all time, all time. Like he's, he's not like Mercury. You know, people talk about Kurt. Co Maybe it's that thing of respecting the the dead, but like no, like grunge isn't Queen. You know. No, of course it's not. But it's still better than most of the things that are coming out today. I think. You think so? Yeah, I don't know. I'd rather have Nora Jones than uh, than grunge music. Like she's she's now and she's better. But nineties mm. awful. Dory, think about it. Britney Spears was the biggest star of the nineties. The Backstreet Boys. Have you maybe forgotten what that, what that era produced? Well, I did probably try and get that out of my brain. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So new kids on the block. Oh my god! Like <laughs> LMFO or whatever. Who do you remember them? No, they were they were more recent. Was that noughties? Hey, and the, I the think so, yeah. Ugh. This is what I'm talking about. So if I've got anything to do with it, 90s music, forget it. And everyone starts to say hip-hop. I'm like, no, 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 late 80s hip-hop. And in fact, if anything, the noughties gave us, in my opinion, the best hip-hop. Very late 90s. And then Jay-Z and, and guys like that started doing it. So I'm not really into American hip-hop anyway. I'm, I'm more into British rap, but whatever. Yeah, that's not my area. I'll tell you who's really into that kind of stuff is Paolo. But he loves the 80s style. Yeah, because th so he'll uh, he'll he'll join in just now and uh, school you on that, I guess. Yeah, but so 
going back to your Thursday night Instagram streams, you know what I love about them? Because I do watch them every week. Mm-hmm. They've got very little sport in them. That's what I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dory, you're like, you're not into it. Hey? You're not into the, the kickball. No, I mean, I, I like exercise, but sport, eh, the whole, and the whole obsession with watching sport. And I really hate rugby. I mean, just, I'm not interested in rugby. That's I know that makes me a very unpatriotic South African or something to that effect. Yeah, it's quite heated. And I'm very lucky that I'm married to someone who also just does not care. He does not watch sport at all. He does not give a toss. So what do you do on weekends and in your life to fill it if you're not watching sport? I, I've oh never God, understood it. No, come on. There's so much. There's so many other things to do with your life. I guess you've got a, a child. Probably, yes. Do you try and raise them? Uh, yeah, I try and spend a little bit of time with her once in a while. Fair enough. I mean, like, she is a, she's a tween, mm-hmm. which means she's got serious teenage tendencies, which makes her not want to spend a lot of time with you as well. Yeah. So, so uh, okay, what else do you do? So, you've got a child. Okay, we get that. You're the, you're the mother of the year. Give us something else that you do besides watching football, rugby, cricket, tennis, Formula One. Okay, Formula One's a snore fest. I just don't even understand why, how people even have time to do that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much else to do in life. There's, there's, you can read, you can, there's Netflix, there's, you go, I mean, okay, not at the moment, but usually you can go out, you can go to gym, you can go have lunch with friends, you can hang out with people. I don't know. Also, I, I mean, you know, you can like just hang out on your laptop and watch YouTube. Ridiculous. There's so many, and there's so, there's so much out there that's more interesting than sport. So to everyone that's listening, if you want to send me messages and want me to answer some of your questions, uh, you, I can't get any of your WhatsApps. By the way, it's uh, it's not Gareth, in case you're wondering. Uh, it is me, MKT. It's Mbolelo Tinta. And I'm with Dory von Lagerenberg. So if you want to send me a message or you want, to, you, have, you want to ask Dory any questions or you want to ask me any questions or just let me know what you're up to. Let us know what you're up to. Uh, you can go to the Gareth Cliff Show Instagram page and we are running a live stream there and you can just put your questions in and when they pop up, I'm happy to, um, like Hein Benz is saying good morning. So what's, what's happening, Hein? So go to uh, Gareth Cliff Show. So it's at the Gareth Cliff Show on Instagram and then we, we've got a live stream. Send us uh, questions there. So you're saying no sport for you, Dory? No, no sport for me. Well, I mean, I, I li- as, as we've discussed before, I love watching the luge. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what the luge is, it's a winter sport. And basically, it's lying down really fast, which I think is an amazing talent to and, lie down really fast. Yeah. And I just want to say, Dory, there's also street luging. So please yes. don't. Um, so if you go to the highlands of Lesotho in South Africa. Yes. I, I bumped into all of these guys. They are insane. They wear these uh, like super thick leather suits. And it's it's quite something. So you reckon what Olympic luge?ing Yeah, I just enjoy watching the luge. I think it's really fascinating. So first if, of all, who who came up with that? Who was the first person who went? Let me lie down on this thing and go downhill. But I have thought about like a lot of the European sports, right? It's like Europe's been comfortable for so long. I think eventually they just got bored and they're like, well, let's put some stuff under our feet and see if we can slide on this white stuff. Oh, skiing! There we go. We'll ski. Like we're so bored. That we're going to come because mm. there was lots of sport before, like cricket, rugby, tennis, war. Perhaps luge came first. People were falling and then decided to see if they could do it standing up. But you've made a very good point before. If, if you're good at sleeping, you should be good at luge. Like it, right. it, it's a transferable skill. Yeah. 
I, I, I don't know. I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that, Dory. So now, listen, we're obviously in, um, in lockdown at the moment, and that's, that's just been exp- extended, but that is what it is. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll move on with that. What else are you, what's, um, what's a common thing that people are, are, are going on, on about? Cause you, you probably do, do you live near family or anything? I do. Um, I have my mom who is about a five minute drive from me. <laughs> Take me into it. Not everybody knows uh, your mom. Um, so I'm an only child and, um, my mom's a bit neurotic. Let's, let's be kind and say a bit neurotic. And I of course have been doing all her shopping for her because she's in proper, proper lockdown because she's in that whole high risk over 60 category. And let me put it to you this way, even outside of lockdown in the past, for example, if my mom's been sick or anything like that, and I've offered to shop for her for whatever reason, it has not been a good experience because she's very fussy. And if I buy, for example, the wrong kind of tea, like, oh, my goodness, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my goodness, no, it's it's the wrong thing. Oh my God. I'm not saying the, the letter's OCD, but I'm saying she's a bit OCD. But those are the worst kind of people, right? Is um, like, get me stuff, and then it's like, you didn't get exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And now it's the end of your life and my life. <laughs> like, I can imagine this is a real nightmare for people. So the the routine now with the whole lockdown shopping thing is she gives me a list. She dictates a list to me over the phone. <laughs> Wait, but, are you on the phone in the shop? No, no, no. So we do the list beforehand. Okay. Over the course of, like like I say, I'm shopping about once a week. Okay. So during the course of the week, she'll call me and she'll say, oh, you know what I want? I really, oh, I want some nuts and raisins. When you're out, will you get, but, but, but I only like the ones from Woolies. It's like that. <laughs> so uh, what? You, even if you shop at Pick and Pay, now you've got to go to Yeah. So then I explained to her that I'm not going to go to Woolies. I'm going to go to one shop because I don't feel like queuing outside more than one shop. She hasn't been out since before this whole thing began. So she has no idea what's going on out there. My mother is, is also not online. She's not on the internet. She's not on WhatsApp. Oh, she gracious. still has an old Motorola flip phone. That's how she connects to the world. Oh. An old Motorola flip phone. Oh my! So, but is she is she like the type of person uh, that you'd have to tell her that like nine eleven happened kind of thing? Um, no, but I do have a friend that had that I had to tell. <laughs> well, I didn't have to tell, but uh, that's another story which we'll we'll get to later. Wait, hold on. Um, no, no. So she she watches the news. She watches the news on TV. My mom. Yeah. So she knows what's going on in the world. In fact, she will sometimes phone me and go, "Oh my god, oh my god, did you see? Did you see that story about?" And then she'll start to – and here's the thing about me and news. I used to work in news. For 13 years, I worked in news. Okay. And I don't, I don't want to know anymore. I really – I don't want to know. But we'll get, to, we'll get to more of that later when we talk about my friend who missed 9-11. And um, so my mom, she stays very connected by, via the TV news. Now, she also – she doesn't have – she has Mnet and SABC. Oh, and hold the phone. Mnet with the, like those old decoders with the purple yes. number where you have to push yes. it and the number yes. and the buttons are, are like granite. Exactly that. Oh my goodness gracious. She doesn't want DSTV, so she's got her Mnet and she watches the news on, I assume, ETV, not ENCA. So now, are you dropping her shopping off? Or like, like, what's happening? Yes. So, so, so now, okay, so let's go back to the shopping. Yeah. So I've got the list. 
Then when I'm in the shop, if, if they don't have the exact item that's on the list, I have to, co- I have to phone her. I can't just like use my brain and substitute it for something else. I have to phone her to see if the substitute will be satisfactory. So, so let's do it. It's like, uh, okay. So uh, tell me something that you wouldn't be able to find. That's pretty specific. So I- I'm your mom now. Okay. So she uses a particular type of soap. Okay. So I'm going to go with Lux. Okay. Forget even if that's okay. the wrong one. All right. And, so, um, she, so, um, yeah, go ahead. She, so she, okay. Um, to be fair, she does have a, a sensitive skin. So she does have to use a particular kind of soap. But especially in the days just before lockdown started, I went shopping and you know how the shops were just before lockdown started. Shelves were empty, empty. Yeah. So I phone her from the shop and I go, listen, they don't have your usual soap. Okay, let's do it. I'm your mom. Okay. Um, okay. Hi, Dory. Did you find my soap? <laughs> let, let, let's just pull the audience in on this one. Mbalelo knows how my mom sounds because I have on occasion called her from the office and put her on speakerphone so that he understands. Excellent. We, we, we're doing it. So I... I okay. brum, brum. Hi, Dory, did you find my soap? No, they don't have it. The shelves are really empty. I'm really struggling to get it. I think I'm going to have to get it another time. Oh, no. Do you think it's because it's made in China and we can't get it here? What's going on? (laughs) No, what she would actually say is, oh, you're going to have to go to Discam or Clicks then. Yeah, go and and see if uh, on your way there, see if you see Michelle. Tell her I say hi. Call me back when you get there. Is it completely finished, Dory? Have you asked the store manager? Now you see. Now you're getting it. You you, you got it. You got it. Yeah. So is this your life? Like like this what I'm my doing? Life right now. Oh, that's unbelievable. So what I've actually started doing to make my life a little bit easier is I shop for her on the Saturday and I shop for myself on the Sunday because I find that shopping for us both at the same time is just a bit overwhelming. Oh, it sounds brutal, Dory. Mm. Sounds absolutely brutal. So we're gonna oh, we're gonna. Your mom. Don't know. Can't get a hold of her. So she was, um, she was going to go do a whole thing of, uh, going back to her village. And I can't really call her because the signal's awful, but I think she might be back home because I did get a WhatsApp. So I don't know what's going on. I've, I haven't really, I haven't really looked into it. I've been at work, but uh, I'll try and get a hold of her. She's, she's big on the whole Easter religious thing. So I'll, I'll get a hold of her to, what's the correct thing to say? Happy Easter or, or um, like how do people say it? Good yontif. I'll say to my mom, good yontif. I'll certainly say that. So now the other half of the 80 shows joining us, the, the voice you'll hear now is a good old Paolo Diaz. Paolo, I think you're, uh, you gotta have to, uh, unmute yourself there. Sorry, good I can't morning. be, uh, good morning to you, Paolo. Uh, how are you guys doing? I hope I don't come across as one of like when you hear uh, a competition winner on radio and they sound all weird and there's radios playing in the background and, and sound like normal people. Do you, do you know what I've always thought about call-in competitions is I should get to choose the prize I want. You shouldn't tell me what prize you're going to give me. So it's like, I, for, for, so for me, Paolo, I don't know how you are in terms of presence, right? I absolutely hate people, like especially the older I've become, who try and buy me presents. I always say, I say to everyone, give me the money because I've spent 33 years deciding what I like or let me choose the present. There's nothing special in you thinking you know a small part of me. So... Do I sound crazy? No, and as we accumulate wealth, we buy our own things. And how do people know what we like and what we have already? So I think it's actually quite selfish of them. It's ridiculous. People are so selfish. 
Exactly. Give me presents about me, not about making yourself feel good. But guys, if you have a good good enough friends, they'll know exactly what you would like. I mean, I never have a problem getting gifts from my friends because they know me well. Dory, they know what I would like. Do you, do you know who else knows me better than anyone else on earth? Yourself. A hundred percent. Let me I'll tell you what, give me the money. If it's not about the money, don't worry about it. It's give me the money, let me choose the present, or don't get me a gift. You're the gift. Don't worry about it. You spending time with me, that's the gift. Why, why don't people think like that? People are so selfish. I get mm. the sense that the show has just taken a very cynical turn from here on. Yeah, Polly. Lelo's in charge. What do you expect? Uh, you, you've riled me up. <laughs> so, Paula, just before we were on here, uh, Dori was telling me um, uh, that she doesn't uh, like sport. And I was kind of listing the kind of sports you could do. And I said rugby, football, cricket. And uh, so, remember, if you want to send us messages... Send us a message on Instagram Live. So go to the at Gareth Cliff Show uh, Instagram page. And on there, you can send me your questions. I can't see your WhatsApps this morning, but I can see your questions on there. And I said, what does she do if she's not watching F1, football, rugby, cricket? And, you know, I said there's been sports for a long time. And I said war was one of those sports. And somebody's just asked me, did I add war to the list of sports codes? I certainly did. It's people against other people. There's just worse consequences than in a football match. Well, you, you often read about um, World War I and the early wars. They were actually so civil. They'd like take breaks to watch each other and applaud each other. I was reading about one, one of the battles in World War I, and two guys were just having it out, and everyone just stopped and watched them and applauded them when they were done. So war was – it was sport. There you have it. You see? With, with death. Yeah, it's um, so slight, very much yeah. unpleasant. Yeah, so like EFC, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Paolo, what's happening in your household? Like, what's uh, what's going on? Do you have any kids, Paolo? I do. She's nine years old, but I'm not doing the um, homeschooling. I'm not doing the home teacher thing. I sort of like doing home janitoring. So, at the end of the day, I go around the house and clean up the vomit <laughs> and uh, the poo and things like that. So, that's that's me. I'm not doing the teaching. Hang on. Whose who's poo are you cleaning up? Because your child is nine. I was going to say. I think you talk about your own. No, my own, because I shit myself when the two of them start getting into arguments over freaking bonds. And maths isn't maths, guys. Like, yeah. we had maths, and then they had – I understood maths. Then they had the ABC maths. Then I fucking lost it because there was Insta – what was it? Insta-ma- Instamaths. There was a little book, yeah. Instamaths. From there, I lost it. Now you see maths. Maths is not maths. So um, that freaks me out. Um, the English stuff I still get. That's cool. And then geography, I notice, is less about clouds and rock formations and more about, like, real stuff, like actual places and things. So I can, I'm on board with that. But uh, school's very different. <laughs> yeah. I just remember geography from school where we had to do those contour maps. Remember where you had to, like, plot the height of mountains and then you had to draw it out. But you used to have to, like, go with the measurements and do the points. And oh then you God. would draw the actual shape of the mountain. That's my memory of geography from school. Oh, no. Uh, so see, I thought, uh, yeah, you guys are from one, like, generation before me. I think we, we, we had computers at school. I just played Warcraft 1 the whole time at school. Hmm. <laughs> our, our computers were, we had it, but there was a, a DOS program called Turtle. Yeah. And you had to, like, type it. It was, like, early coding. And you had, like, type, like, this long page sequence for this little, the Turtle was a triangle. And you had to, 
type this long sequence for it to like, tilt to the right. And you're so impressed with yourself. You're like, oh, God, I'm hacking. Because all the movies were about hacking then. Oh, I'm hacking into NASA. This is the best. Yeah, I felt the feeling like Edward Snowden. Where's he? Where's Snowden now? Does anyone know? Who's in an embassy? Assange. Oh, yeah. There's also Assange, eh? Jeez, he's is Assange's WikiLeaks, or is he not? Is he not the guy? What, what, and, then, and then there's the Portuguese guy who did football leaks, and now he's not allowed using the internet. Oh, uh, did FIFA cancel him? Yeah, so he got let out of jail, and now he's not allowed using the internet. How do you feel? So there's, there's yeah, so so people don't know that you're Paulo Diaz, so which makes you Portuguese. How did you feel about him as a representation? I mean, you got Cristiano Ronaldo on the one side, and then him. So I mean, basically, if you take it. The world's one of the world's premier managers, Mourinho, is Portuguese. One of the best players is Ronaldo's Portuguese. One of the best football agents, George Mendes, is Portuguese. And the best football hacker who's going to bring it all down is Portuguese. <laughs> so it's a it's a full service that we're offering the football industry. <laughs> <laughs> so you you offer the whole spectrum from start to finish. We'll reinvent the game and then bring it to its knees. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> So you, so, but you could be like the janitor and hacker. If you, if like, if you got into it, you could be the janitor and hacker. That's what I learned of so twelve years of private school. That's the what I came out of it is I know how to clean up puke after maths. And and so you guys are both married, right? Still not to each other, but yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're married to separate so separate people that are different from you guys. Yes. So you're not married to Dory, and Dory, you're not ma- married to Paolo, as far as you know. Correct. Wow, you're a sharp one, eh? I do. Well, this is this is what getting through twelve years of of school will do for you. Um, tell me this: you, your partners, is it easier in lockdown or is it harder? Do you think? Like, I don't, I don't, obviously don't want you guys to get divorced after this, but I, I'd imagine being in, a, you, you don't really spend all your time with your with your partners, right? Like in okay, normal I'll, life. I'll, I'll go first. So, cause I've probably, I've probably been married long. No, actually, and I don't, actually, I think Paolo's been with his partner longer than I have. They, but anyway, we'll get there. Um, so for, for us, those first few days were sure, hey, cause we had to get used to being here all the time with each other while I'm trying to work as well. And let me put it to you this way. I thought my house was double the size than it actually is. <laughs> But it's actually not as big as I thought. Um, what we are doing, so there, there are moments where you're like, oh, the tension grows and you snap. But because of the situation we're in, we're just sweeping that shit right under the carpet. Like straight away, we're just moving on and we're like not even having the proper fight. It's like, okay, this is the beginning of a fight, but it's also the end because there is just no time to be annoyed with each other. We are stuck here. Let's just move on and let's just forget it. And so what do you do? Do you go to a separate room? What's your coping mechanism? Because there's lots of people out there in this situation, I'd imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, in ordinary times, in normal times, we would like, yeah, just go to separate rooms and like cool down and then maybe have a little discussion later to sort it out, like, you know, like, just like smooth out the edges and see exactly what was going on. We're not even doing that at this point. We're literally moving on in the moment. In the moment, it's like, okay, it's over. Holy smokes. All right. So yeah. even relationships are evolving in the in these know, I mean, we've been together for 21 years. So we've really learned how to fight professionally. <laughs> so, but now you're kind of motivating me to get into it because you're making it sound like a sport. Like I'm single, right? I'm like perennial bachelor, 
But then I hear you, it's also giving me like active anxiety. I, I could actually feel myself getting an ulcer as you're telling me the type of tension I'd get into if I was in a relationship. So, <laughs> wow, that's rough. Paula, how's it going for you? Are you, you still officially married? So I'm going to, uh, I'm like looking around and, and I've, I've locked my family in the other half of the house behind the, the security gate and I've got the keys. So I can pretty much say what I want. Um, so like, like Dory said, my wife and I are like a terrible 80s sitcom in that we've been together since we were uh, 15 slash 16, which takes us on 20 odd years. Uh, I can't give you the exact number because, like I said, the instamaths messed me up. Um, so we've been together for a very long time. Then on top of that, we uh, work together and um, we work together from a home office. So we are together pretty much all the time as it is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you can interject now. It that is, amazing is that outrageous. You are still That's amazing. And we don't kill each other. And I think that the, the, the outcome of that is that we actually – still really, really like each other. So the lockdown has actually, the only thing that's changed is that we don't do school runs. But otherwise, it's pretty much the same and we still carry on working together. And like Dari says, you just move on with it. So it's not just lockdown. It's like the arguments, you just, you have it and you move on. And like, if you do insult each other's slippers, which I did the other day, I, I made fun of her slippers and that didn't end well. Um <laughs> You just got to be adults about it and you just like go to the next step. And then, you know, it's like, did we even have a fight? It was ex existential. I mean, did it really happen? Wow, that's unbelievable. So you you both have maintained your relationships. Yeah. We we have. And, and it, helps, it helps to have people who are like as unhinged as you are. So I think when you're together for that long, you start to like affect each other mentally. Um, and then you're both just pretty much psychotic. Um, and then when you put in psychotic situations, you just adapt together. It's like Stockholm syndrome. It's so funny because like, you know, the, the more time you spend with another person, you, you do pick up some of their habits. When I met my husband, he used to be a very quiet sneezer and I'm always, I'm a loud sneezer. I'm one of those like sneezers. He has now become a loud sneezer and I feel like he caught it from me. You feel like, uh, what, because of Dory von Loggenberg, he's officially now the loudest sneeze in the country. Something like that. Oh, man. I had that. I had that because when I first met my wife, I used to wear men's clothing. And then like over the years of being with her, I've started wearing women's clothing. So I can totally relate to that. <laughs> that is a very pretty bra that you're wearing, Paolo. It is. You should see the panty set. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's, it's so much, you know, I'm looking at the, at the sort of negligee that you're wearing and I'm pretty confused, but also like I'm telling you, it's so confusing for me right now because I'm, like I said, I'm getting an ulcer from the tension of the thought of being in like a long-term relationship, but I hear you guys, I'm like, maybe I should give it a go, you know, like a, it's, you're softening me up at that in my old age. Well, what's the longest relationship you've ever had? A year and a half. That's a decent amount of time. Yeah, but she it was also long distance, so I say year and a half. Oh, so you've never cohabited with someone. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not good at that. The, the longest cohabitation I've done was I worked at a ski resort um, overseas, and that was like I met I met somebody, and even then we weren't what you might call your classic girlfriend and boyfriend for, for reasons since we got uh, children listening I won't put out there. But You're so high school. That's a classic boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> I sent her a little letter and she ticked the box. Yeah, well, yeah we, did, we did more than send each other letters. But I, I, like I said, I can't really say. Um, 
what we did exactly. You were but, friends with benefits. Yeah, let's let's we were co-people. Let's call it co-people for six months, and I kind of met her like maybe the second party of the whole thing because you know when you go, I don't know if you've worked in these types of service industry things. There's a massive party for the new employees at the beginning of the season. You all go out. Back then, I was drinking and wild, and um, yeah, I met her there, and then we kind of cohabited. She kind of moved into the house I was living in, and that was six straight months. So that's the longest I've ever had. Like somebody's hair in my bed, their hairbrush on the floor, like all of that nonsense. And yeah, just thinking about and, it now, I, I nearly passed out. And just on that, the hairbrushes, also the hair tie things. Where, where do those come from? Why are there so many of them constantly? In every crevice, everywhere, right? My God. And it's like, they, but they multiply, like you'll go, but there's some here and now there's some, and then there's more some, and then they're coming out of the cupboard. You're right. They just multiply. But like in your relationships, right? So are you actively seeking? Uh, me. You, yeah. Absolutely not. I'm doing the opposite. So you're waiting for it to come to you? No, no, no. I'm actively not seeking. I'm, I'm not actively seeking. preventing it as I go, uh, as I go along because Contrary to popular belief, there have been, in fact, since I got back to Johannesburg, I got an, uh, a very relationshipy offer and I had to, uh, you know, as, as, a, as the guy on Game of Thrones said, hold the door, hold door. <laughs> so, so present to me, how does, because I've been off the market for a very long time. How does a relationship offer look? Is it a piece of paper? Is it, is it electronic? So in this case, she was like sliding in all of my DMs kind of thing. And then it was like, okay, you know, what? let's catch up for a coffee. It's been a while. And then I went and I saw her and she's like holding my hand at the table. And I was like, what is going on right now? I haven't seen you in like two years. So she was pretty aggressive with it. So I give her credit for, for that, but I'm, I'm actively going the other way. So, you know, maybe it's repressed memories from childhood, but my parents are great. So I, I don't know. I, I, I got to work on some stuff. You gotta, you gotta do you. That's, that's what, yeah. don't the kids say that when they're sliding in DMs, be you? Yeah, keep it real. Uh, uh, actually, Paolo, they're saying live your best life. Ah, they do say that. I've seen that on hashtags. So, <laughs> seen that. One thing I, people out there, you, you know, I realize I'm getting old when I say, oh, I don't like the new stuff. Like, you know, I start to talk in that language now. And I feel like you guys are probably saying that a lot because behind your backs, so one of the things that I do is, I talk about both of you behind your backs and how you're stuck in the eighties. And I'm just like, have these people not left that time and come to a time when CD ROMs not even a thing anymore. So how do you guys feel about that? Cause Paula, I know you love eighties music and uh, you, you love it so much. You have a show called that, eight, that 80 show. So you say stuck and people say stuck in the eighties. Like it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't understand. But where, where does that come from? Like, cause you guys. Did, did you guys meet in a DeLorean and, and just like move to now or did you actually have a human relationship before you met or is, is music your connection? What's the story there? It's exactly like that. So I, I used to be a mad scientist and um, in my barn, I was developing nuclear technology to power DeLorean to travel in time. And the Dory was a roguish scamp um, and she always used to hang around that barn and she was, uh, she looked a lot like Michael J. Fox at the time, funny enough. Um, and she was wearing a puffer jacket and we became friends. And then we started time traveling adventures. And, uh, which brings us to today. There's a lot of stuff. We don't know which timeline we're in exactly. Um, but you, you're right. You're right. But Dory, Dory will pick up the story and tell you the, the real thing because I'm incapable of telling the truth. Yeah, so, so tell me the story that happened in the third dimension. 
I do like that version of the story, though. I have to say that's pretty cool. <laughs> no, so Paolo and I used to work together at another place all to, um, yeah, in, a, in the past. And uh, it's really funny because we were on the same floor at work. It was a very large place. And um, they started doing renovations. And I was on one side of the floor and he was on literally the other side. We're talking, uh, let's think, maybe – 30 meters apart, 30-ish meters apart. On the same floor. On the same floor. And slowly but surely. So I was kind of a department of one, and he was kind of a department of one. And then they slowly moved all the other departments to other floors during the renovations, but somehow forgot about us. And so at one stage, there was this huge empty floor of renovation and it was just the two of us. And we had, we had kind of met and we kind of chatted, you know, informally. But then we were stuck in this, well, similar to what we're all stuck in now, a kind of forced isolation <laughs> on the floor of renovation. And we'd be like, what's going on? And we'd like, you know, wave to each other. And, <laughs> and then we started talking, as you do when you're stuck in this bizarre situation. And we discovered that we both, first of all, have a severe love of Wham. If anybody doesn't know who Wham is, you need to listen to our show. And then like 80s, 80s music and culture in general. And that was the beginning of a long and beautiful friendship. <laughs> so now, uh, wham, that's, uh, that's that George Michael bloke. Yes. Didn't he do stuff in a bathroom? We all do stuff in bathrooms in Bolelo. Yeah, but what he, did, he did in a public bathroom, didn't he? Yeah, but you see, the lesson is, the lesson is he went outside to do stuff in the public bathroom oh, and then he got into trouble, you see. So he was ahead of his time, very much a pioneer. Um, and yes, he did stuff in a bathroom. And I'm sure Freddie Mercury did numerous things in a bathroom, in a barn, um, in a bicycle shed. Um, and these things happen. On a, on and a bicycle. You, on a bicycle. Um, and this is how you become an icon. And, and the funny thing, uh, you know, about when the – about Dory and I, when they, they basically stripped this floor bare, is that they stripped out everything, ceilings and everything. Yet, where I initially was, I mean, we were very junior at the time, and they, they treated us as such. My desk was next to the photocopier fax machine, and there was a wall blocking it off. They stripped the whole building, the whole floor, except for that wall. So even though we're the only people on the floor, I was still stuck behind a wall. We couldn't really see each other. It was the most bizarre <laughs> setup. And, and for a few days, we didn't know that another person was there because we'd come, the floor had two separate entrances and we'd come in separate entrances and you'd hear something that wasn't a builder and you'd like, that sounds like a, another person. <laughs> in amongst the dust, you see a figure moving around and like, I, I think, I don't think we're alone. I really don't think we're alone. And then I noticed like dusty line. footprints. <laughs> Sorry, it's such an '80s movie plotline. There's that movie which I haven't actually watched it, but I keep, it keeps coming up on all my like social media of the security guard and the girl stuck in the de the department store overnight. I don't know if you've seen. It. I can't remember what it's called. It's got Jennifer Connelly in it, I and have not um, seen it. they're like hanging out in this empty, deserted department store overnight and trying on the clothes and you know, rollerblading through the store and stuff like that. That's kind of, that, that's where we could have been. I mean, we missed out on our 80s movie plotline. I know. It's, we're stuck in an abandoned building site rather than a, a department store because that would have been hilarious. Well, <laughs> speaking of your, of your situation, and uh, that would be the worst movie. It sounds like a, a terribly scripted, like, uh, meet-cue in a movie. Like, 
What, what's starring that? John, starring John Stamos. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. He's a Greek Lothario. He's uh, John Stamos. Great hair. Oh, oh, legendary hair. Anyway, speaking of your situation where you guys nearly died at your old job and then you became friends, um, Kelly says here. Hello, Chops. Did I hallucinate the lockdown extension? <laughs> so I'll let, I'll let you two, since you, since you guys have worked in lockdown before together, you guys can maybe take that one. Um, no, well, I mean, uh, uh, here's the thing about this whole situation, right? In the history of this country, has anyone ever cared to actually listen when the president speaks, unlike now? I mean, when they said he was going to speak last night at 8 p.m., and you get online because I don't have that kind of TV, so I watch everything online on YouTube, and there's like 200 and something thousand people waiting to hear the president speak. Has this ever happened in the history of our country? Nobody usually cares at all. Yeah. And it's just amazing. And that country's like, what is he going to say? What is he going to say? And everyone's like, oh, he's going to say this. He's going to say that. And uh, yes, but he did uh, very predictably, in my opinion, announce a, a, a lockdown to the end of the month. I did think that that's what he would do. I do think it's going to get extended again, but he's going to extend it in increments at a time to avoid the riots because I think people are just going to lose their minds if he says, guys, you're not leaving the house until September. Paula, what are you saying? Uh, look, I have no, I, I don't, I don't really know whether he's going to extend it or not. I'm just going to like a, a, adjust and adapt to it, you know, just keep doing a, a, a little bit, a little bit of exercise. Paula, how are you doing with exercise? What's your story then? Okay. So, so when the initial lockdown was, was announced, I, uh, hurriedly went to cash converts and bought myself a secondhand exercise bike. I disinfected it. Funnily enough, I found a million dollars hidden under the seat, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, that's but you know, you know, that's normal. So, so I, I, cause, cause I do like to exercise and, um, Yo, but exercising at home is tough, eh? Because you know how many injuries I've picked up that I never pick up at gym. But like, actually, this morning, like, I must have done something on a push up, but I hurt my arm, and then I hurt my calf. Like, I don't know how I did that. So I think there's a real battle in home exercising that's gone like grossly underreported. Like when you look at celebrities and their perfect home gyms, they're not hurting themselves. I'm hurting myself. This is this is the uh, this is the the real threat of uh, of the lockdown. So I, I hate to be the, the the sort of harbinger of uh, mediocre to bad news, but it, it's called age, Paolo. You know, so the funny thing is there's this old man that lives in my house that every time I bend over, he makes like this weird noise. <laughs> um, so he's he's the, the extra person on lockdown with me. <laughs> but um, I always like to look at the positive in anything, right? So um, – one of the cool things that's happened now is how many free subscriptions are being put out there? Like, what do you think their tactic is with that stuff? Like, uh, have you signed is up it, to anything? All of them. Like, all tech, of them. Uh, what's, what's going on? Like, Zoom. Are you on the, are you so, on the Zoom Platinum package? Yeah. So, oh, they haven't given that yet. Um, what do you think you get in the Zoom Platinum pack? Because, you know, there's a story about Zoom, like, can hack you and people like Zoom bombing and putting their willies on the screens and things like that. Um, I wonder what you get on the Platinum pack. Like, yeah, I, hey, that, that'd be amazing. Like, um, a, a, a one eyed man. And, <laughs> what's that? A yeah, we're both going in a, yeah, we're both going in a bad place there. So I'll let you finish. Well, I was going to say like, like a live feed from the headquarters of the Illuminati. Ah, you see, they, they've gone there. Yeah. It's like um, Bill, Bill Gates and Marilyn Monroe planning the future and <laughs> and a donkey. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> So, 
<laughs> like, <laughs> I've seen the future. I told you about that DeLorean. It's so, um, good. so, like, you know, on the free subscription stuff. So, it, I mean, it's true. So, everybody is just offering like free subscriptions, free trials, 90 days free. And it's all the stuff that you're like, I'm never paying for that crap, um, but I want it. Um, and then it's all free. So, like, software, uh, comic books, Marvel have put like a whole catalog of their comic books on their, on their app. Um, that you normally got to pay like a couple of hundred dollars for uh, video games. Um, I found, uh, Dory, you might like this one. It's called Quibi. Have you heard of Quibi? No. Not Quibi, Quibi. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that just sounds like an oak from the East End. <laughs> yeah. So it's like Netflix, but with super short episodes. So they've been around for a while, but they're sort of like, their they sort of idea was their content to be like between five and eight minute long episodes and they've got a whole series of it um, because I figure people don't have time to to invest in long things and like Jennifer Lopez has got a show on there uh, there's there's Jonas one of the Jonas brothers is on there Andy Garcia's on there so it's like they got real legit people doing the episodes um, okay the stuff is questionable because what can you do in like five minutes but that's been one interesting and but why I know it's crap is because they gave us 90 days free so you definitely know it's <laughs> Oh, the so worst of it, the longer the free trial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's definitely what it is. Hey, uh, and that, that's that's the parameter. So, Dory, are you using any of the tech? Are you connecting with people? Or are you just happy with your uh, with your family and uh, ignoring your oh, husband no, no, when you I, fight? <laughs> I've been having lots of uh, video calls with friends. I've used Zoom, Google Hangouts, um, WhatsApp video calls does the job. Um, in terms of the exercise thing, I'm using a, an app to exercise with, and um, it's cool. So they they have not made their premium package available for free, but I have to say that what I'm getting on the free version is pretty good. It's it's like a decent. You can kind of uh, make your workout up. You can uh, create your own workout. So you say how long you want to work out for, and then you there's a picture of a human being on the app, and you choose which areas you want to work. So you want like arms or legs or abs and you just point to that part of the body and it crafts this workout for you. And it's really cool. And there's even a cool down stretch session afterwards, which is a little bit yoga-ish, which I love. But I mean, if you if you want to do yoga at home, you've got to do yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Oh, she you is really do. She yeah. is the bomb. She is she's she, the one you got to do it with. She she's awesome. She is she's yeah. and picturesque as well. She's, she's, yeah, she's uh, not too terrible to look at. She's smoking. So, <laughs> um, yeah. so hey, what about you, Bolelo? What about yeah. your exercise at home routine? Well, yeah, because you're a, you're a runner, if, if, if I've heard correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I move forward briskly. Like, <laughs> that, that's kind to call me that. Um, but one thing with the tech thing that's been pretty annoying for me, so you'll be surprised that it's annoyed me, is now people I don't want to speak to, I can't, like, prevent that you know like there's nowhere for them to go and be so i don't have to talk to them that's been really annoying like why do people present you what you just presume i want to talk to you like aren't you finding that more people that you want to talk to on are, are calling you yeah i'm finding that thing of going um like what's your excuse to get out of stuff now so like even even with work so i mean you know you know my company's still able to operate and they're going like oh uh you know let's just hop on a quick call in 15 minutes you're like oh normally you say oh no i'm doing this i'm on my way to a client and I'm like, oh you know what do you say now it's like oh fine okay yeah. i mean the the, the 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 um range of excuses is severely minimized and that's that i'm finding bad uh, hard to deal with yeah I, I think it's it's 
it's in everyone's lives. There's people who you know and you just don't want to talk to. That doesn't make you a bad person. It's just like, oh, I'd, I'd like to – a lot of the people in my life is I like to treat them like medicine, right? Is I'll take them in small doses. Too much of them, there's, that's just going to end up killing me. And now I have no choice. It's like, oh, you're on video and now they can see it. House party is the worst thing in the world. doesn't even let you stop the call. Oh, really? I haven't, I haven't oh. got into house party. Explain it to me because I've seen it. Like it's a cool app because then you can have like multiple people in the same thing, but it doesn't really give you the, I think that I'm not too sure. I think they can see you before you answer. Like, oh, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's so, a, yeah. just, like, and also they can what see if you're, you're not wearing pants. That's terrible. I mean, nobody's wearing pants at the moment. People have no etiquette. Like a friend of mine was saying with the video calling, people have zero etiquette. Listen, we were going to get to five things. But we'll um, we'll do that after just after seven. So I'm gonna play I'm gonna play a song. I'll give everyone a chance to um, give their family a break because you guys are probably waking all of them up or or whatever. And then we'll be back uh, after this. I've got a pretty uh, cool song which I like. While this band was good, and we'll catch you in a bit. Yeah, so I'm joined by the 80s team, well, that 80s show team, of Dori van Loggerenberg. Dori, your surname is a slobber knocker. Yeah, well, I married into it. I wasn't born with it, so what can I do? Yeah, good for you. That's Listen, a... can, we take, can we just talk about that song? <laughs> Yesterday, I thought it was podcast we professionals. We, we, uh, we, we, I said, I'm going to leave the music choice up to you uh-huh. as long as you play 80s stuff. Yeah, that's where, uh, you see, that's where I, I'm not a very good listener. That's why I'm single. Clearly. <laughs> that's, that's where, the, that's the problem is I, once I stop talking, I'm basically just waiting to start talking again. I, I, people think, oh, he's listening. Nope. I'm just waiting until you're done. You're, it's just like white noise. And then I talk again. That's basically how I run my life. So, so you know, I love people like that. I love observing them like that because you, you know, they're doing that. Yeah. And you know, I know you're not listening to me. Yeah. You're just waiting for your chance to talk again. It's actually, you guys think we don't know, but we know. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Every, every set of ears to me is just an opportunity for me to speak. It's not, Oh, there's a human soul that might want to be heard. Forget it. Get out of here with that. <laughs> if, if only you could find a job. Where you could do that, where you could just talk unsolicited without anyone interrupting you, if only. Just imagine if if the, you, you could just have uh, like hundreds of thousands of people hear you speak, and that's how you would be able to buy sliced mangoes every uh, on the 25th of every month. Imagine that. <laughs> imagine that was a job. But anyway, that's a no, fantasy no, your, world. <laughs> your mind goes to sliced mangoes. Oh, that's, that's what so it's funny. about. I was just thinking that. Yeah, go ahead, Dory. Now I was saying, like, your sliced mango is another person's booze and coke. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, Dory, you mentioned the booze, right? So obviously the first reaction of South Africans because we are like a society of miscreants. So I do think everyone's been super well behaved and, and taken the, the lockdown because we never listen to anybody. So we yeah. are listening and, and that's good. That's admirable. Um, the scary thing about talking about lockdown, especially, oh my, you know, especially when you come from a place, I mean, of privilege like you live in suburbs you know everything's sort of like it's inconvenient rather than life-threatening you got to be careful of being 
like the human voice of those WhatsApp groups. You know the ones that go, it's going to get bad, guys, hey? It's going to get bad. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> now, Paolo, you guys what don't know that? what's coming, eh? Because you live in the south, hey, of Johannesburg. I'm northwest. Where, what is that? Where does that put you exactly? Because I'm very judgmental. North, I live in the north. I'm North Cliffish. Oh, okay. No, I can work with that. Go ahead. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm a West Rand family Ooh. bred. Okay. Like how far west? Like Krugersdorp? Krugersdorp. Krugersdorp is the, 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 the point of no return. Oh, speaking of Krugersdorp. The center of the Deer's family. That's it. Oh, speaking of Krugersdorp. Uh, so I did a live stream. I, I do a live stream every Thursday night, right? Last night. And there's a guy working on a yacht. He's got the greatest Instagram handle of all time. Well, there's a guy called Not Mikey Schultz, which might be the second greatest <laughs> Instagram handle of all time. But this guy's name is Lord Robbie on Instagram. And Lord Robbie is working on a yacht in Monaco. And I'll tell you where the Krugersdorp link is there. What's the princess's name again? Because she's from Krugersdorp, the one who's been in, she's been in lockdown the whole, it seems like a whole marriage. She's, mm. she's not happy. What's her, do you know the one I'm talking about? Uh, Prince Philip's. <laughs> Oh, we, I, know, I know who you're talking about. I'm not sure of her name. Yeah, yeah. I, want so, to say, I want to say Caroline, but I might be wrong. Me too. I also want to say it. So that's her name. Anyway. So Princess Car- Caroline, we yeah, say yeah. it with authority. Yeah. yeah, her name's Caroline. We're moving on. Anyway, Princess Caroline has been in lockdown. From the, it's, it's been a misery for her. The, the principality apparently has been like a prison for her. I don't know if you've read those stories. Oh, in her gilded prison. Oh, shame. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. Imagine being trapped in a prison. Oh, shame. All right, well, a little empathy from Krugersdorp to Krugersdorp there. We do things a little different <laughs> yeah. on that in that part of the world. That's fine. We'll move on. Uh, a woman was uh, trapped and uh, may have been with uh, a Fritzl situation. But don't, don't, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what I said to the guy who lives um, in Monaco, uh, Lord Robbie. I said, Lord Robbie, what you should do is open a spaza shop on the, on the F1 track in Monaco. I don't know what you think of that idea. Yeah, it was really cool. I like that idea. And you were even saying, what? You must sell tomatoes in clear plastic bags. That's the secret. That's what you got to do. Because I'm thinking, if the princess is already from Krugersdorp, you've already got that South African vibe there. So you kind of, you don't really have to have any rules and, you know. And then someone said they'll open a spaza shop outside Buckingham Palace and they just took it over the top. It's like, they're like, Elizabeth is ancient. She can't walk to the shops. If um, you're opening a spaza shop in Monaco, Mm. what are you selling? So Monaco is like, I mean, you can get Louis Vuitton on every shop. So what are you selling in a Spaza shop in Monaco? Non-West handbags. No, no, no. You, you got to like bring no, it down. No, no, no. Keep it real. Keep it South African. Like tomatoes really? in clear packets. Yeah, in clear packets knick-knacks. that are overripe. There's, knick-knacks. Uh, yeah, stale knickknacks in open yeah. packets. Um, do you know the, what, uh, what you Caucasian folk <laughs> might call colorful popcorn? But the real yeah. name is Amascopas. Yeah, right. some amascopas there, maybe a chicken feet, you know. So, so go real legit. So, you know, I want to tell you, would you believe? Even Dory, whenever I intro that in the show, I say, would you believe Dory knows? Oh my God, yeah, it's come bizarre link that's coming up here. Is that would you believe that the first spice shop I ever went to as a kid who a white kid who grew up in the nineties and 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 those places were were either didn't exist, exist or would die just thinking about them. The first spice shop I went to was actually not in South Africa, but in uh, – there's an island where my family's from originally off Portugal's coast called Madeira. Oh, um, the, it's Cristiano Ronaldo's island. He basically owns it. So don't, don't say it. there's an island. Like we, we know where Madeira is. This is our the, listenership is very, very uh, educated. They're not like your 80s show listenership that are stuck <laughs> in the 80s. Please go okay. on. Okay. 
So on the the People's Principality of Cristiano Ronaldo, um, <laughs> that, that is the first place. You know, actually, so just as an aside there, um, Ronaldo, as soon as the, the virus hit, he left Italy and took his whole family to his mansion on, on the island. And uh, he'd been there for months and he just said, I'm not coming back to all these things over. I'm looking after my family. No, but didn't he, he buy said, a no. separate island? I thought he bought a separate island or was it in Madeira? He was given an island as a wedding gift or he gave an island as a, there's a lot of islands in his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope he doesn't feel like a man on an island, but that's a whole separate thing. Carry on. I think he'd love to be. So he has actually, um, then he said, you know what? My kids are cooped up. They want to go for a walk. So he just phoned the police and said, listen, close the marina for me. Um, I'm taking my family for a walk. And they said, well, because you own the island, you can do that. Um, what a winner. He, his first child was artificially inseminated. Yeah, there's a funny story about that. Yeah. So we'll, um, he's very litigious, so let's, <laughs> yeah. let's maybe not go there. <laughs> anyway, go, go, go on. We're not going to talk about Cristiano so, Ronaldo's. So, yeah. So on the People's Principality of Cristiano Ronaldo was the first time I walked into what you'd call a spaza shop. And we were so blown away by it because it was like this shop had what is a spaza shop, but everything. And everything was just next to each other. So flip-flops next to ice cream, next to elastic bands, yeah. next to a watermelon. And so – we were like, my, my, my cousin and I were probably like in our mid-teens. We're like, wow, this is amazing. And we had a video camera and we were filming it. And they kicked us out the shop because they said, no, we know you guys because it's a very small island. And if you're not from there, they know. And they said, no, we know you guys. You guys are that family from South Africa. And you're filming the Spaza shop to take the ideas back to South Africa to steal our great retail idea. So somewhere in Madeira, there is a little spaza shop owner there that feels that we did that and we stole and exported their idea. Are you denying that you did? Um, I, just, I've got the, I've got it on video. So, um, but imagine their poor lives thinking these guys stole our spaza shop idea. No, fair enough. Listen, you you got to just own it, own it. I like that they they're gonna. I mean, having said this, I hate to sound like this. But most of my most of my favorite green grocers are Portuguese guys, so they kind of did bring the idea of a spaza shop to here. Oh, we did do that. We did. We do like. No, I'm not even going to go into the accent because that'll just take us down a whole other rabbit hole. Uh, Paulo, you're doing it. I tell you what we're doing. We're doing Portuguese butcher. Right. I'm walking in, and uh, what's your name, uh, Luis? No, so you just walk in. It, it's guaranteed you walk into any Portuguese place. Say, so I want to speak to Louis, Manny, Josie. And one of them will be there. Okay. You'll, you'll be right. Yeah. So, Paolo, we're doing it, and you're doing the accent. You're the butcher. I'm I'm the guy. I'm Clive. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to lose my Portuguese card for this, but uh, hey, you, that one there, huh? What What do you want there, the Clive? Yeah? Clive. Hey, uh, Luis, can I please get some bacon? Some bacon back? No, I'm not after today. Well, take another one. <laughs> Listen, uh, it's my wife's, uh, it's, it's my wife's quinceanera. Married a Spanish woman. It's crazy. His, uh, she's got a child already, but I love this woman. She's driving me crazy with this new child. But listen, uh, what you got for me? Can I get some lamb? I'm giving you some lamb. Listen, I'll tell you what, eh? I'm got some lamb here. You not see this thing. This lamb is so good, eh? It's so good. It's gonna move. This one is what a good lamb. I'm, I'm cut this one for you, eh? And you know what? How many kilos you want? <laughs> So this is the best. Is that the, the Portuguese accent? I, I can't. I can't keep a straight face. This is why I'm not a method actor. <laughs> this is why I'm not a method actor. But uh, speaking like, of method acting, like the great actor uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, we were, we're gonna get yeah. into it. Oh man, Dory, do, do you want to get into it? So Dory's obsessed with Robert Downey Jr. And 
I uh, I remember you did a show. Maybe take take us through the story. You guys sometimes do uh, like, you, or you do a film. Is it every week on the show? Like you do, you review a film. Yeah, so we we play eighties music, we talk eighties culture, and each week Paolo and I do a eighties movie recommendation. But we don't tell each other which movie we're doing. And the one week it just so happened that we both chose Robert Downey Jr. movies, which I mean, you know, why not? I mean, they you know why not? Okay, and and then but then, and this is there was a bone of contention here was then you proceeded to say Robert Downey Jr. was a great actor. Do you remember that that whole thing that that whole palaver? Uh, well, it was probably just said you made it a palaver. No, you you said Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor. Those words were said out of your mouth. Was it yours or Paolo's? Probably both of us. And I probably both of us. I wouldn't have it. Yeah, no, you you were not interested in that. You argued with us, no, like not, you like to do. Listen, in life, we all make choices, right? Is you can do Iron Man or you can do My Left Foot. Once you make that choice, though, you're telling me whether you want to be a great actor or not. So I'm cool with him making money. Go for it. I, hey, Donnie Jr., good looking. Oh, cracking. Hey, Donnie, good looking, yeah. dynamic, funny, idiosyncratic. So he's always going to be that kind of troubled genius role you know like he's one guy the, the, the Donny junior you're one guy my thing was if you call him great what do i what do i call at that stage uh i, I don't know because i don't want to go right to the top of the tree like what do you call cuba gooding jr from there as an actor then if robert downey jr is great what do you what do you call cuba Gooding? why are you going with all the juniors <laughs> yo Jesus, I'm in a, I'm I'm in a junior what a time. Random, what a random person to choose, Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, he's a hey, great. Do you know, you know what I call Cuba Gooding Jr. The, the shit in Denzel Washington. That's what I'd call him there. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Paulo, you're not holding back there. <laughs> so, so the the levels of greatness are like, listen, great and legendary. Those words get thrown around too much, especially in sports. Everyone's a freaking legend, right? You can play like two, three good games. You're a legend. Sure. Um, but so you got to take greatness and like how much you're committed to being something. So if you're committed to being Robert Downey Jr., which he is, he's totally committed to being Robert Downey Jr. Sure. Like Al Pacino is totally committed to being Al Pacino. Then that, that is a measure of greatness because you, and you know what? I actually don't want to be anything else but Robert Downey Jr. So, I mean, the range to play a man, to go from playing a man who sits in a robot suit. Now imagine his, I mean, all those Marvel movies, they're complete CGI. There's, there's no, nothing to interact with, yet he still makes it believable that he's a rich, arrogant prick. I mean, you, that's, that's genius. I feel like you're probably just describing him. He's not, a, he's not arrogant and horrible. I met him. You know that. Do you know I met him? Oh, you met Robert Downey and or did you melt? It was amazing. So my argument was this, right? So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying I, I love or hate the guy. Like, hey, do your thing, make your millions. But when, when you say he's great, then what do I do about Daniel Day-Lewis? Because I've seen There Will Be Blood. So I've seen what range is. I've seen my left foot. I've seen Lincoln. I've, I've seen In the Name of the Father. And I've seen what... I saw Marlon Brando win an Oscar for 10 minutes of action in The Godfather. That, now, that is was, greatness. He, like, how long was he in The Godfather when he won in, uh, as The Godfather? Like, what was that? Maybe 20 minutes. That right? was really quick, yeah. 
Oscar. Bam. Greatness. That's a great actor. Don't tell me you're Robert Downey Jr. You've been in a million films, never been nominated for any Oscar. But it's the type of films he does. It's just different kind of stuff. That being said, I mean, I don't watch the Marvel movies. I watched the first Iron Man and then fell asleep in the second one and gave it up from there. So I love his older stuff, his 80s stuff, his early 90s stuff. And he is, he is just that quirky guy. And yes, maybe he's being a little bit of himself, but himself is a cool, interesting guy. So I, you, you're, just, you're just trying to make like everybody has to be intense like Daniel Day-Lewis to be a good actor. No, there's different kinds of good actor. I totally agree with you. But what I'm saying is when you make the choice to do Iron Man, you leave the realm of being called a great actor. What you become is an entertainer, right? Because to, when you're really going the thespian route, uh, uh, look, I love Robert Downey Jr. for what he is, but I'm not going to call him a great actor. Like they're, they're, it's, it's very, very clear to me. But anyway, we, we could probably go on about this all day. There's other great movies. And because you guys are still stuck in the 80s, one of the greatest films I've ever seen in my life that I, I just, I love it. I absolutely love this film, right? Is since we're in the, the, the kind of vibe we're in now is the breakfast club, right? And there's only one real reason is it's got the mighty duck man. My guy, Emilio Estevez. Pardon? So funny. I don't think of him as the mighty duck man. I think of him as the guy from the breakfast. Club. Oh, you're joking. But hey, you know, everybody has their own context. Did you cry in the, uh, did you cry in the mighty ducks? I didn't watch the mighty ducks. What? 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 <laughs> I mean, no, hold on. <laughs> Let's you, is it, has there just been a glitch in the Matrix? It's like just for Emilio curiosity, curiosity you did not watch the Mighty Ducks, just, just to see what he's up to. No, uh, you, you know, um, let's let's remind you, I'm a girl, and just not my kind of thing. No, no, I just wasn't interested. But Mighty Ducks has become like, yes, it was a movie, but it's become a cultural reference because you always have a Mighty Ducks moment. Like, it's really about like, the it's it's the modern day David and Goliath. So when people say, "Wow, this is a real Mighty Duck story," you don't know what they're talking about. I, I've literally never heard anybody say that. That's unbelievable, Dory. Where are you living? You, With grown-ups. It's 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 incredible. <laughs> Listen, to, uh, I'm going to go to the messages quickly because everybody agrees with you guys. All right, uh, Mark, or oh, who's it here? Marcus Wayne. Is it Marcus Wine? Marcus Wayne? Markinson Wine? I, I, sorry, I can't say your handle. He says, the, ma- the man has lost his mind clearly. Too much time, too much alone time in that office. So I think he's saying, I'm crazy for going Robert Downey Jr. is not great. Fair enough. Listen, I've got to accept that feedback if I'm going to have an opinion. So you guys, are, you guys seem to have every, everyone in Cliff Central th- thinks you guys are right. Uh, Michelle has corrected me and said, Char- uh, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for an Oscar for Charlie Chaplin. Michelle, who won that year? And then let's see who really is great. Because Robert Downey Jr. did not win. But anyway, Paolo, uh, that, uh, yep. that film, uh, uh, Emilio Estevez, Breakfast Club. Give us the rundown. What do you think of that? I think it's one of the coolest movies ever. You know what? I'm going to throw it over to Dory because I, I will not do it justice the way Dory will do it. She's going to go. She'll start off with, I'll tell you. Oh. Make that little, I love that movie noise, that little, uh, that she does when she loves a movie. So I'm going to swing it right over to Dory to take us through what Breakfast Club is. Oh. 
And I so, love Breakfast Club. Before you get into <laughs> Breakfast Club, some people on Instagram Live, you may think, oh, it sounds like you're talking to other people. So I'm not on Instagram Live to do a live stream, but I'm just uh, I'm using it as a question platform, and hopefully you can sort of hear me because I'm joined by that 80s show. So you should be uh, you can go and stream it live, cliffcentral.com, mm-hmm. or you can go obviously to the cliffcentral.com app. Dory, yes, go ahead. Back, back to the Breakfast Club. Yeah. The Breakfast Club is a defining movie of the 80s. So the guy who, did, who made The Breakfast Club, John Hughes, was he made all the 80s angsty teen movies that most of us love. Breakfast Club is right up there. I have to say I, he did another movie called Some Kind of Wonderful, which is probably my favorite. But Breakfast Club is a very, very close second for me. The thing about The Breakfast Club is the reason that it is still spoken about all the time and celebrated and referred to is it really is an iconic film for various reasons. Not only, I mean, it was, they were known as the Brat Pack. They were this like a group of people who they defined the whole teen scene in the eighties. But the themes that came up in that movie were so relatable to all those kids going through real teen angst in real life. And people were like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. These people are going through the same thing. And the whole, the whole premise of the breakfast club was they got a different, you know, you have your different cliques in school. You have your jocks and you have your nerds and you have your, you know, weirdos and that kind of thing. And they put them all in a room together and then they realized they actually had more in common than they realized. And that's a metaphor for life. Oh, is it as human beings? Okay. The human soul. There is only one race, the human race. Is that where we're going? Something to that effect. Okay. Well, I mean, we, it was getting a little positive for my liking. So let's put another spin on it because I'm all about competition, especially if it's family competition. Bum, 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 fight to the death. <laughs> I'm all about that. So now, Emilio Estevez, for those who don't know, is the brother of Charlie Sheen. And because they're younger than this other guy, they are the sons of Martin Sheen. For those who didn't know, some people didn't know that, Dory. Not everybody's a, an encyclopedia like you. Yeah. So before I get into this, is if you, um, if you guys have any films you like, or if you have any movies, yeah, any, any movies or actors that you love, go to the, the Gareth Cliff Show Instagram page. Just go in the comment section and tell me, tell me an actor or a movie, and I'll, I'll, I'll see if, uh, cause Dory's an encyclopedia and so is Paolo on these things, 80s, 90s movies, or the greatest movies of all time, and we'll, we'll see if we can break them down for you as we, as we go along. But who's the greatest Sheen? Martin Sheen? Charlie Sheen, or the Mighty Duck Man, Emilio Estevez. I think you've already pointed out who you like the most. Well, I just like him for the Mighty Ducks. I, th- I think, uh, but uh, before I give my my real opinion, uh, who who do you think, uh, Paolo? So you've um, your your definition and your parameters of greatness keep shifting because you then go Robert Downey Jr. is not great because he's not as great as Daniel Day Lewis. Yet within the realm of Sheens and Estevezes. Um, there's a greatness in there, which is obviously not that high a bar to clear. No, no, I didn't say Emilio is my favorite. I said I'll give my opinion. I just like the Mighty Duck movie. He's, I just call him the Mighty Duck man. So if you have to go on that, is that the best Sheen as an actor was obviously the dad, Martin Sheen. Um, the best Sheen as a, or as a non Sheen was Emilio Estevez. But of course, for pure value is Charlie Sheen. I mean, that guy. The gift that keeps on giving, right? He really, he really is. He really is. But listen, 
Michael uh, is it Michael Douglas should be thanking Charlie Sheen for the rest of his life because when he made when they made Wall Street, right? And Charlie Sheen obviously t- took on what one of the greatest roles. Most influential roles And then obviously Gordon Gecko came from that Michael Douglas's career took off from there right Cause he's, he's I'm like, glad you actually brought, brought up that Because I could not for the life of me think Of a decent movie that Charlie Sheen was in Yeah, Because yeah, I was like oh my god Did this guy just make like straight video 80 schlock um, <laughs> And then we start going To be talking Sheens So like I think there was like this There were a lot more famous um, Film families In the 80s and 90s Because you had the Sheens you had the Douglases, you had the Baldwins, and now we're just left with the Kardashians. And I feel that we're like really letting ourselves down. It's diluting. Hey, how many Baldwin brothers are there? It's like 400. They definitely are. And, they, and we all basically go uh, Alec Baldwin and then the rest. And his brothers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's Alec, Alec Baldwin's brother. All right, so guys, I'm, I'm copying quite a bit of abuse here. Michelle's saying Robert uh, was no, nominated Best Supporting Actor for Tropping Thunder. As well, so oh, what a great film! What a great film! Yeah, super, um, yeah, no, phenomenal film because he goes blackface there and it's just, oh, it's phenomenal. And he gets away with it. He totally no, gets away with it. Listen, that's that's just that serves its purpose. And Ben Stiller is uh, what I'd call a mensch. So now, uh, <laughs> and sorry, and also, also on Tropic Thunders, I mean, we spoke about in the 80s show last week how I, I recognize Tom Cruise. I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise fan, but I recognize his impact on the 80s. And he's another one who just decided he's just going to play Tom Cruise, except for in Tropic Thunder, where he totally played someone different. And that was my favorite Tom Cruise role. Oh, my God. He is so funny. Les Grossman. Yeah. Uh, It's unrecognizable and amazing. If you haven't seen Tropic Thunder, just go watch it for Tom Cruise's character. Les Grossman, he's he's like the, the, the big, like, slimy uh, like no holds barred, uh, sort of executive money producer guy who is, who's just nuts. Uh, it's awesome. It is <laughs> Tropic Thunder's worth it just, just for that. You know, it's been cool in uh, this uh, lockdown thing. Besides being locked down, that's not very cool. But what is cool is some of the memes that have come out of this time are the most electrifying thing on planet Earth. Paolo, what's the, I'm gonna, what's the coolest, what's the coolest, and everyone, tweet us your memes, cliffcentral.com on Twitter. I'd love to see what the best memes are from the lockdown, if you guys can throw it out there and tag us. I'm going to take the lead here because I really wanted to talk about this because, I mean, listen, memes, memes are good at the best of times, but now the meme game is strong. Okay, there's a lot of pathetic memes. I mean, this thing of people cooking. And posting that is starting to get on my tits. Okay, we get it. We, you're super. Great. Well, and all these like super parents. Okay, you get it. Cool. Right. Okay. So, so that, that stuff irritates me. But my favorite meme that has come out of this whole lockdown, and I believe it was around before, are the Ghanaian pallbearers. Have you seen that one? <laughs> it's so good. Oh, oh my so God. Good. Have you seen the Super that- Mario one? <laughs> with the girl who falls through the window. <laughs> no, there's there's literally one of Super Mario, and you know if Super Mario falls in the fire pit, yeah, and then it cuts to the to, to the guy name. Uh, we'll see if we can find it and, uh, and put it up. It's it's the best. So so how it goes is basically what what guys have cut up is that they found like some arbitrary EDM paint by numbers song, and they've cut in a, like a typical epic fail video of, you know, those videos, as soon as you see it, you go, this guy's going to end without his life. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they'll cut that. The song plays. And then they cut in this like panning shot 
of these Ghanaian pallbearers. And the story is the BBC went out to Ghana and there is a pallbearers out there. And, and part of the funeral service is that if people don't want to have like the normal somber funeral service, these guys like liven up your funeral. So they carry your coffin. They do push-ups with your coffin. They put it on their shoulders and they dance around. They make this whole celebration thing. Um, but it's very, very funny when you look at it. And then what happens is you got this epic fail video and just at the point the guy's going to fail, they cut in this panning shot of these poor bearers and then the person fails and obviously dies. And then they cut to the scene implying that, no, now that's his funeral. <laughs> and you see it coming. It's done. It's the same template over and over, but it is absolutely killing me. I cannot even deal with those things anymore. And the music's electrifying. Oh, so good. And the other day I was on, you know, my, my pre-bought second and exercise bike and on the playlist, because I had looked for it, that song came up and I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not letting this song play while I'm doing any physical activity because I will be the next in, in one of those coffins. So <laughs> those memes are excellent. So once again, cliffcentral.com, right, for Twitter. Please send us your favorite memes and then your favorite movies as well. I want human beings to tell us what uh, what their favorite movies are because we will break it down. We'll break it down. I'll tell you what's great and what's not. And then Dory will let me know what exactly what's great. And Paolo says, I'm just biased. So, do you know, yeah. uh, Paolo, you weren't with us earlier, but I hope you were listening when we were talking about Dory's mom. Yep. Did you hear my accent of Dory's mom? I did, yeah. It, w- it was pretty good because I've also met Dory's mom and it was quite spot on. Yeah, so people people are calling me the black Marlon Brando. I'm not saying that. <laughs> That's what the masses are saying. But anyway, I don't want to. I'm not about me. Uh, we, 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 They're gonna... calling you the white Cuba Gooding Jr. That's amazing. Oh man! Considering you're uh, from, so we just quickly go back to Charlie Sheen for a second. Yes, please. The tiger. Did you forget the, the tiger that he was in Platoon? Sorry. Did you forget he was in Platoon? Platoon. And Apocalypse Now. Michelle just reminded us on uh, on Instagram. No, that was Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen was in Apocalypse Now. Yeah, so why did she say, Michelle, Charlie Sheen was in Apocalypse Now. We'll have to Google that. No, Martin Sheen was in Apocalypse Now, and he's amazing in it. Yeah. And Marlon Brando is in Apocalypse Now, and he's less amazing in it. Have you ever watched the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now? If not, you have to. It's called Heart of Darkness. Sorry, what's it called? It is amazing. Heart of Darkness. Listen, this is why you need Dory around. Dory has watched and listened to everything. Dory, go ahead. So Apocalypse Now is based on a book by Joseph Conrad called Heart of Darkness. I have tried to read this book. It is very difficult to read. They really made an amazing movie. Um, And then what they did, the whole making of the movie was a story in itself that is quite unbelievable. So they actually made a documentary called Heart of Darkness to tell the story of the trials and tribulations that they went through to make the movie. Yeah. And it's really quite something. You've got to watch it. But there's a scene. It's so funny because they're showing, um, okay, spoiler ahead. If you haven't watched Apocalypse Now, spoiler ahead. The whole idea of the Apocalypse Now is they're going on this trip down the river to go and find this elusive guy named Kurtz who has kind of become this god in this village of, it's in inverted commas, say the natives and um he's kind of like, yeah, it's almost become like a cult and they they have to go and find him. Anyway, Marlon Brando plays Kurtz, but this is old, fat, bald Marlon Brando. Mm. This is not young, good-looking Marlon Brando. Yeah, I know. He's lost some of his shine there. 
And there's there's a scene in Heart of Darkness, the documentary, where they're showing some of the outtakes. And at the end of Apocalypse Now, there's this very intense scene where Marlon Brando gives his little speech about why he has done what he has done and why he has become who he is. And it's very cool in the movie and it's very intense. And there's a lot of tension in it, lots of long pauses. <laughs> and and it's, it's really, it's quite something. But then in the outtakes, there's a scene where he, so he's talking and he's doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, he gets this weird look on his face and he pulls a face and he goes, uh, I just swallowed a bug. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Apocalypse Now is my husband's favorite movie of all time. He, he's the one who made me watch it. I had never seen it before I met him. Um, and I am a convert, I admit, I admit. So, yeah, listen, this is why they say magicians should never let you look behind the curtain because you see that kind of stuff loses its allure. And, little, and now you can never watch that scene without thinking of that and laughing. This is what I'm saying. Never, never let the public look behind the curtain. But it is really worth watching. Anyway, yes, Martin Sheen was the guy in Apocalypse Now. Charlie Sheen was in Platoon. There we go. Chavez was in Breakfast Club. They're all great in their own ways, and they can all be terrible in their own ways. And me, I mean, Charlie Sheen was also in Two and a Half Men. Don't do that, Dory. It's all about creating clear division and competition. Fight till the death. <laughs> okay, moving Don't, on. Yeah, yeah. Moving on, moving, so, moving on very swiftly. Yeah, go ahead, Paolo. Just go, just go to the homeschooling. So, you know, on the Breakfast Club. So, I mean, wasn't Tropic Thunder a satirical take on Platoon and the behind the scenes of platoon because it's, it was the same sort of thing. There were uh tropic thunder. The storyline was similar, but there are also actors who didn't know that they were making a movie at some point. Um, But then on the homeschooling thing and, and just maybe think of something there is that, you know, the principal from breakfast club. Yes. I think I want to be the homeschool version of him. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's my role. I, I think I've just defined it. Some I people, you, I can see you in that role. I can't believe some people. First of all, Dory, you've gone down like four notches in my book for not having. If you haven't seen uh, the Mighty Ducks by the time you get back, uh, by the time lockdown ends, we're going to have to have a meeting here at work about it. But um, so, what do you give? Platoon was a good movie. Um, another good point here: best war movie of all time was Deer, The Deer Hunter. You seen that? Sure. What a depressing movie! Wow. <laughs> That like that movie killed me. It's excellent. Don't get me wrong. It is really excellent, but it is, it'll rip your heart out. Rip his heart out. That sounds like a WWE promo. <laughs> rip you know, on, w, on WWE, I wanted to bring it up earlier when you're talking about sports, is that that's the only sport going on properly right now. So it's the only place you can get competition. I mean, it's and this last weekend was WrestleMania, and I watched it. And it was it's very, very weird because – so they're carrying on with WWE. You watch it because it is sport. Um, that's okay. We don't know the outcome. They evidently do. Um, and it's so weird. They wrestling, but there's no fans, right? But they still do all the grandstanding. They still like cut their ears to like no one in particular. It's, <laughs> it's what I imagine being on the set of a porno is. It's like you hear a lot of grunting and skin slapping, but there's no mood music. There's nothing, you know, it's just awkward and it's weird. And everyone looks great, but like I feel like dirty. So you have to watch the sound with the sound off is the most bizarre experience. But why don't they just use canned laughter? 
No, uh, because that would make it way too cheesy. So, so the WWE story is they are doing something that called their, their, their training center, which is where they develop like the next, uh, guys of talent, the, the next talent coming through. And, um, yeah, no, Vince McMahon, uh, like just, he's so aggressive in business, right? And he, they, they, they just like, Really went for it. It's unbelievable what they've done. But so I don't know what, if you know, they can't call it a sport anymore. There's a reason they, they have to call it entertainment now. Do you remember what happened with Chris Benoit? Um, I do recall the story. Yeah. Yeah. So after that whole incident, if you don't know, go Google it. Um, yeah. When after Chris Benoit, they had to change it to entertainment and not sport anymore. Like, yeah, that, that got, that got legal wrangles galore. Okay. So for that those of us who don't know, can you give us the Twitter version of what happened? Uh, he was alive and he's not alive anymore. Oh, so now it's entertainment because someone died. Yeah. And then it got caught up calling it a sport is bringing sport into disrepute, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole, there's a whole lot happening there. People die in sport. No, but let's just say he didn't die for a sports related reason or for sports related medicinal purposes. Yeah. He went off the rails. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then they, 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 so it essentially became a CTE thing. That the, the, oh. the driven him, but there was a lot more happening as well. And then he remember he he didn't just die by himself; he took his family with him. It was hectic. Sure, okay, yeah. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, Chris Benoit, go and check that out. And it, it put it put the WWE in a little bit of a spot. Speaking of stuff which is insane, right? So remember remember nine eleven. Do you remember that when that whole thing happened? No, yeah. what, what what are you talking about? Yeah, so, so Dory doesn't knows ring somebody. a bell. <laughs> Dory knows somebody. Uh, Dory, just tell us. I like I can't even intro this. Uh, like, no, 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 it's it's not okay. Let me let me tell the story. So remember earlier, I was referencing to a time back when I worked in news, and um, I am very happy to not be working in news anymore. And I used to think that, of course, you have to know what's going on in the world, and how could you not be watching the news and know what's going on? And I have a friend who. Uh, Paula actually knows her as well because she also used to work with us. Um, and she, her and her boyfriend were backpacking around Europe when 9-11 happened. But they were like roughing it. So they were like camping. They were not being in civilized areas. So 9-11 happened. They had been out and about in the wilderness in Europe. They eventually arrive in some tiny town in some godforsaken town in um Sure, I don't know. Let's go with Germany. But it was probably, it was one of those European countries, probably around Germany, somewhere around there. And they go into a, a pub and they like, what's going on? Everyone was talking. There was like this buzz and everyone was watching the TV. And they're like, what's going on? And they had no idea that three weeks before 9-11 had happened. Oh, that is so wild. And they, Three weeks? Yeah, three weeks later, basically. And when she told me the story, I was like, oh, my God, how is that even possible? I totally relate to her now because, um, yeah, I'm just like, I can totally avoid the news. I don't even want to know. Of course, it's a bit hard to avoid what's going on right now because, you know, the whole world is involved in this current news story that we're not going to talk about. Yeah, you're part of the news. uh, Yeah, we are all part of the news. And as my child's teacher told them, because she's given them a project to actually write an essay about what's going on, saying, you are literally making history. You are part of the history making. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, so imagine missing the 9-11. And the other thing about 9-11, I remember we had the first big brother on in South Africa during it. And the first person who was evicted from the house afterwards, I'll never forget, Paula, I don't know if you remember this, Ruda Lantman 
showed her. I think her name was Laura or something like that. She came out of the house. She'd been completely you know, isolated from society, didn't know what was going on in the world. And the first thing they do is show, show her a video of 9-11. This poor girl's like, what's going on? I don't know what's, what's happening. It's baptism of a... Oh, speak, Ruda Lundman, do they cryogenically freeze her after every like news report? I don't think she's was, aged in 30 years. It was Ruan Kravach, and I think they, they, they've bought one, and they, they sublet it to one another. You, you put Ruda in, you take uh, Kravach and out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, like when you change the ice trays. That's a, um, <laughs> But did you see the German big brothers? Like, I mean, you're saying the German big brother contestants didn't know about coronavirus. Yeah, no. I and now, that, yeah. did they let them out eventually? I, I don't know because I mean it's quite bad over there at the moment. So surely, if they're on lockdown, they can't still be having a show about lockdown. I'm pretty I, sure I'm they saying told Big them. Brother. I think they did tell you know, them. I'm told saying them listen, they put on TV. They told them, but the point is, is the show still going on? Oh uh, yeah. Because well, if the country's in lockdown. That's surely not an essential service. If you know about Big Brother Germany, let us know on Instagram Live, the Gareth Cliff Show. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I mean, I, I lost interest in the story because I, I didn't want to read more than the headline because it said Big Brother. But I'm always like, having seen one or two Big Brothers, I'm like, there's more disease that will come out of that house than is out here. So leave them in there. We've got enough shit. Like, don't let Big Brothers and their diseases come into our world. We don't, we don't need that, right? No, we do not. We do not. Uh, speak, no, we don't. Where's Ferdy? Ferdinand Rabi. I remember him. I did, like, oh, who knows, eh? Who knows? He, he, he had the eye ring. He had the, like, ring in his eye. I remember that. He, he was that. I one. heard him on the radio probably about a year ago. He went into tourism. He's out in the Cape and he does tours um, around winelands and things like that. And he, has, he was on on a radio station promoting his wares and his goods. Um <laughs> Uh, it's it's so funny about the first Big Brother because we tend to remember all of those people because a lot of them then, I mean, our celebrity pool was very small and a lot of them ended up doing radio gigs. Um, that's how Dory and I sort of came across them. Then certain people went in different ways and they, they all went into entertainment. But since then, I can't even recognize, like a Miss South Africa, I can't recognize Miss South Africa's anymore or Big Brother contestants. But we don't have like a celebrity culture in South Africa, you know, like – America makes things famous. You know, Hollywood's so unique. It's probably the only place in the world that's purely built to make things famous. You don't go to Hollywood for your, I don't know, neuroscience aspirations. Like, you don't go to Hollywood to raise your children. You, you go to Hollywood to go through the meat grinder and get famous. Like, that is it. Isn't that like a weird thing? Like, that's all it's, it's built for. And, and it's shifted from, from Hollywood onto YouTube and onto social media. And that's a whole other conversation because a lot of people are saying, like, what our sort of impression of celebrity will change after this because we just realize how vapid and useless they are, that they don't have a skill. They're not scientists. They're not doctors. They're not health workers and, 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 and not to, like, eulogize all that. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Kardashians look like in this new world. Sure. I mean, yeah. should – should we spell Corona with a K? Like Kadashi Corona. They're, they're, listen, the greatest businesswoman in the world, Chris Jenner, is working on it. She's got something post-COVID with a K and Kim will be hitting it and then they'll make a series and they'll make a trillion dollars and they'll own all of the Illuminati. They, they will be, be the real winners out of all of this, the Kardashians. Mark 
Our words. Chris Jenner is going to find a way to make the Bruce Jenner, uh, Caitlyn Jenner thing work for them. And she's the greatest businesswoman, or maybe second, because Oprah is not doing too badly. But she's up there. I think she, her dream is to be like Oprah version two. Yeah, I mean, and, and just the, the concept of selling your kids like that. Uh, do you think she'll give one of her kids the virus? Just, just for a thing. Yeah, yeah. I think probably the son. Like the girls are useful. They like mm. that. Yeah, they 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 marry basketball guys and, and and they make it like Kanye West. You know what I mean? They they actually mm. good good for revenue. They'll probably give it to the son. What's his name? Rob. Yeah, they're trying to convince him. Yeah, that's he, a good call because he's supporting cost, right? At best, an extra yeah. maybe supporting cost at best. He's- He's the Emilio Estevez in the Kardashian family. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of which, Paolo, are you still supporting that um, that bunch of scum football team that uh, in Manchester? Uh, no, I support United, not City. Oh, very good. Good pivot. Good yeah. pivot. In, in, oh, so, so I take it that's the point in the show where we do, let's talk sports ball. Yeah, yeah um, it's sports ball, kickball. <laughs> we're we're going to talk. Kickball. Yeah, let's do a bit of sport. Why not? I like it. Dory doesn't, which is ridiculous. Okay, well, I'm going to go let my cat in because she's scratching at the door and you guys carry on. Is that a metaphor? No, it's a real thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I was going to say, I, I, I don't know what's going on there. So, Paolo, you still support the scum from uh, Manchester? Well, I, I did. I mean, I don't really know what the relevance of football is. It's also empty and, and like it doesn't really feel like anything. But yes, let's pretend that there is still sport. So we, we do. Um, and, but it, it is a weird time to be a sports supporter, especially football. And, and you look at, um, specifically the Premier League trying to like really hold on to their last morsels and they committed to finishing the season because they don't want to lose money. And, and when you hear about Premier League clubs who are the richest entities in the sport, like some saying they're going to go bankrupt is like, it's really scary stuff. Who's saying that in the Premier League? Like, like Crystal Palace and them, they could be in, in trouble, I guess. Probably so, I mean, if it, yeah, I mean, you always look at those Deloitte's richest teams, mm. and most of them made up. I mean, there's teams like Burnley are richer than some, you know, bigger teams in, in Germany type of thing. Um, and, you know, some of them are saying, listen, we need this. We're only rich because we have this Premier League TV money, and the TV stations don't want to pay because they're not getting a product. Um, and it's just going, okay, well, you know, something's going to crash. And, Maybe it's it's not the worst. You know, football's been eating itself for a few years and can't really get out of this trap that it's in. And uh, maybe this is the reset moment. So I guess, I, I mean, this is where the financial fair play um, the, that they've been trying to apply ridiculously, this is where it's going to come through, right? If, if, you, if you've been playing ball, you, you'll be able to ride the wave a little longer than, than other guys because – What's going to have to happen is the well-run clubs is are they going to be have the they're going to have the cash to buy quality assets, right? Because if you haven't been running your club well and you want to comply comply with FFP or you don't want to go into administration, you're going to have to sell your players. That's that, that's the only assets really leveraged clubs have. And I mean, even even on selling players, I mean, it, it just doesn't seem obscene to you that we're still going to spend a hundred million on a human being. You know, in, in this world where, you know, so many people are going to be unemployed, it just changes the whole thing and just makes the whole thing seem so trivial. Well, I, I don't, I don't think so because, um, I think fantasy has a role to play. Like, you know, to, to take it down this, this route is fantasy has a role to play for the human condition, right? Is if everything was just reality all the time, it's too much for the human psyche. Like being humans really, really hard. The human condition is 
in its rawest form, pure suffering. And I think this is why you see things like entertainment, uh, comedians, football, sport have a role to play in the fantasy role of even if just for 90 minutes, my my anxiety isn't a problem. You know, my problem with my wife, I lost a father, I lost a mother. So I think, I think it doesn't become trivial because we shouldn't apply real. I've always said this when people ask me, how are you so obsessed with football? I always say, don't think of football as sport or the Premier League as sport because I'm besotted with it. Is rather think of it as a, like a soapy for guys. That's how I've always said. So, but in a, in, in a more serious sense, I, I, I do see what you're saying. I think, because we're in a lot of pain now as a society we're, we're struggling is the immediate thing is to go sympathetic instead of going, okay, what's its actual role? And I don't think it's frivolous. I think it's important to separate the two and go just like we do with Hollywood. You know, um, I understand that Los Angeles is one of the most in-debt cities in the world, but it's worth it. You, you, you take that because the function of fantasy is, is so vital, I think, to the, to the you know, to the well-being of society. And my, my fantasy just happens to be sport. For some people, it's music. You know, some people say it's obscene that a guy gets paid $30 million a year to play the guitar. But I think you go, how many, how many people does a song soothe? You know, you can be in Brazil and you can be in Sri Lanka and, and play the same piece of music and it can soothe your soul. And just as football is, I can be in Accra, Ghana and I can be in Monaco, but when Man United, when Chelsea are on, they're, they're, there's a sort of everything stops mattering and, and the difficult stuff's over, even for 90 minutes. So I, I see what you're saying, but I like to treat fantasy places as I don't, I don't want real world rules applying there. So that's actually awesome because I, I needed to hear that. And I think a lot of people needed to hear that because we, I know a lot of football fans and sports fans and fans of anything really are starting to lose like, oh, but what's it worth? What's it worth? And I think you're 100% right. It, it is worth that escape. And and I think maybe that's why we're feeling because uh, we don't have that escape anymore. Mm. And, uh, you know, <laughs> what do we fill it with watching documentaries of greatest goals from the 90s? <laughs> you know, we're so hungry. We're such crack addicts for it that we'll do anything. And that's why the WWE had its, its best uh, its best ratings ever, like for, for an empty WrestleMania with Gronk as the host. Gronk, by the way, was playing NFL football like a year ago. <laughs> okay, I couldn't. I saw him. I couldn't understand how he fits into the whole thing. Yeah. So, okay. So, so Rob Gronkowski's. Uh, so he played tight end for the New England Patriots. That's where he comes from. Like the most dynastic uh, NFL team of all time. He played with a guy called Tom Brady who just moved. So that's that's Gronk's claim to fame. He was the guy who who helped Tom Brady to two titles. I think they won two together. Brady has six. That's Gronk's fame. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, so, that all makes sense now. So there's that. And um, lastly, do you think the um, I'll tell you what was a shambles was Liverpool. Did you see that whole situation, the PR disaster that they had? So to, I mean, not coming from any place of expertise, but I mean, basically, was saying that the most googled word of the week is furlough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for, for those who don't know, so uh, Liverpool tried to furlough their non-playing staff, which essentially is you kind of you don't lay people off but you let them stay at home and essentially the taxpayer would pick up the bill of at first 100 percent of their their wages and then that would scale down but essentially liverpool would get that money back from the taxpayer if they paid them full wages that's essentially it simply right uh paulo yeah pretty much and and so obviously there's an uproar because they go you know liverpool aren't exactly a small businessman you know <laughs> running his little hardware store yeah. you know they're like a multi 
a hundred million pound business. Um, so they got a lot of criticism and they quickly U-turned and said, okay, no, no, it's fine. We won't do it. Um, but as much as I would love to take pot shots at Liverpool and I trust me that I, I did just to rile up Liverpool supporters because they get riled up very easily. Um, I don't think anyone knows what to do. I don't know if there's any right or wrong. I think somewhere in their heads, they thought they were doing the right thing um, and quickly realized, I suppose, unlike Spurs, who haven't pivoted yet, I believe, oh, no. Spurs are doing the same thing. Daniel Levy is, he they, he is not going to turn. He's he's serious. You, you know him. He he got a hundred million pounds for Gareth Bale from Real Madrid. He held Real Madrid over the Colts. You know what type of guy you're dealing with there? I love Daniel Levy. I've always said he's the best owner in the Premier League. And lastly, you got a, uh, so yeah, Liverpool bigger scum than Man United. I've always thought it. I've always known it to be true. Uh, you got your guy, Bruno Fernandes, doing things at United lastly. Uh, how are you feeling about that guy? So, um, he actually played for my, the Portuguese team that I support sporting. Lisboa. So, yeah. So I've sort of had an eye on him for like the two, two and a bit years that he is there. And, you know, you watch a guy in Portugal, you go, okay, listen, he's good in Portugal, but it's still Portugal. And like, you know, I, I was like skeptical if he had converted. Uh, geez, but he did. Eh? He's just like, you know, just slotted straight in. And, you know, you always hear about his personality and he's quite rough with his, he was like in, in the Portuguese newspapers, when the newspaper every two days for calling out his teammates and having a fight with the teammates on a training ground or sending WhatsApp. Apparently there was a notorious WhatsApp group that the players just feared getting messages from him because he had like just abused them and just tell them they need to be better. And he doesn't look like a Roy Keane type figure, but he's certainly got that force of personality. So, you know, this whole lockdown and, and change of world came at the wrong time because I think he was going to turn us around big time. Yeah, but football's just different in Portugal. Like, didn't the sporting Lisbon owner, like, come and fight with the players and then the players went on strike and they all left? So that story is amazing because, yeah, I mean, pretty much that and that, um, they, they had a president who was a complete nut job and he let some hooligans <laughs> left the gate open oh, and the hoot. Yeah, and the hooligans came in and beat a whole bunch of players up. And I mean, we were talking about Jorge Patricio, William Carvalho, um, uh, Bruno Fernandes was there. Oh, you went um, so Portuguese there. You went I did, but you have to. Bruno Fernandes, do that you have Bruno Fernandes? Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, what about, who, who, who's the other guy? <laughs> I'm telling you their names, all their names. Um, and so Sporting lost like a good 100 million pounds more worth of players. Um, and Bruno Fernandes was one of them. He actually rescinded his contract and walked out because all of them could have their contract cancelled. And then he did come back to the club and said, okay, no, listen, let's just go back on the same terms. Um, you know, I, I want to stand by the club. But so, so nothing that a Glazer's going to throw at him he hasn't seen before. <laughs> well, yeah, that's about as much uh, sport, I think, as uh, people can stomach. But wow. Uh, so much happening in sport, Paolo. We'll, we'll definitely chat a little bit more about sport in our time. So I've got an exercise routine that I do here because somebody was asking, um, uh, one of, uh, we, we do blind history with the, with the company, uh, Anti, Anti Madeira and, uh, and Gareth Cliff. If you haven't heard blind history, this is your time. Go and hear it. It's so good. It's unbelievable. It's one of our podcasts, cliffcentral.com. Go and get it. Otherwise get it on the app. And it's actually, it's fun and informative as well. And I mean, Gareth, for those who don't know, is uh, just massive, massive histo historian and into uh, sort of education. And then Anthony is just a plethora of information. He's just, oh, man. So, yeah, you, you've if you haven't heard it, Blind History Season 3 is out right now. But worth it from the beginning. The Idi Amin episode, if you want to go and listen to Season 3, phenomenal. So, Blind History. But anyway, his wife, Kate, was saying, <laughs> what was she saying, Dory? 
she was uh, asking, what are you doing for exercise? Because she kn- like everybody knows that you like to run. I do like to know? run. So, yeah. So what are you doing for exercise? Oh, I tell you what, it's been murder. Because when I run, I like to run really far as well. That's my game. So right now, the most I could do is probably in the park. But we've got a flight of stairs here. I think it's about four or five flights. How, what would you say, Dory? Three. Well, three levels. So three. So it's, oh, okay. Three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, three. I kind of exaggerate. No, but it goes to the roof. Yeah. If you yeah. go up to the roof, yeah. It's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, that's three because you've got the ground floor, then the first floor where we are. Oh, is it And three? then the second floor. Actually, so it's two. Second floor, which is the roof. Okay. So I drastically exaggerated there. Yeah. Uh, Dory, while we're on this, can you explain mezzanine levels to me? Yeah. They, because they were... a mezzanine doesn't count. Well, we don't have a mezzanine level. So no, I'm not going to even go back. Okay. All Damn right. it, Dory. Well, you don't you don't educate uh, educate the people out there. What makes you think I'm an expert on mezzanine? Well, you seem to know a lot else about <laughs> how many flights of stairs we've got here and, and downplaying my exercise routine. Yes, yeah, I'm not can... downplaying it. Tell us about it. <laughs> you came flying out the blocks very quickly with your stair knowledge, like yeah. you wanted to school us on stairs and flights. Yeah, to and shut when us down. is a flight not a floor, and when is a story not a stair? So we just thought mezzanine might be in your ballpark. And I'm starting to think my story doesn't even matter. Speaking of of uh, stories and floors, and okay. and I've got a flaw in my personality and feeling sensitive. Now. Let's call it four flights. Okay, eight flights. So it's about eight eight flights of stairs. <laughs> that I that I do. So I just run up and down those, and then I've got a like a. So that's murder, by the way. So I do, I do ninety. So I go I, I go up and down ninety times, but I split that in three right. sets. Well, yeah, it's like thirty is the first set. I take a two and a half minute break. Thirty is the next set, and then by the third one, I'm dead anyway. It's just murder. It's it's been murder. So I'm doing that, and then I do push ups and sit ups either in the morning or the or the evening, like push ups, sit ups, squats, uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's rough as well so i'm pretty sore actually i'm I'm exercising harder than i've ever exercised probably since i was 18 19 you're gonna have those bulging thigh muscles like the the pro athletes yeah that's what i'm hoping for and and then maybe i can stop being single and and grumpy and grouchy Mm -hmm. yeah how are single people dealing with lockdown such a good question right what was did you maybe want to tell us what sales have gone up like yeah, so there was an article that I found about how sex toy sales have skyrocketed. It's <laughs> all act surprised, but I mean, what is a single person in lockdown going to be doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got you got to exercise, otherwise, like, Paula. I mean, you're not single. What are your single mates up to? Do you know what? Actually, now that you mention it, the other day I went shopping, and I found it so strange that there were very few cucumbers. So actually, not, not to be crude, I'm just making an observation. If you want to connect them, it's actually, uh, I went to two places and there were no cucumbers. Well, I mean, because, you know, sex toys are not an essential service. So you, you're not going to be able to just go into a shop and buy one right now. But that's so you're going to have to make do with what you can find. That is such, do you know, with, uh, from what I've heard from most women that I've met is all the good men are taken. Where else do you go? It should be an essential service. Especially with all the good men being taken, or am I nuts? I don't know if good men being taken is uh, is relevant when we're talking about the fact that people are just trapped in their homes and can't go out and you know meet people or Tinder or anything. What's happening with Tinder right now? This is what I'm saying, right? Is that an essential service? How do people meet? Do do you now do a house party thing? Or uh, online sex, um, phone sex? I mean, these I are know. listen. Do people need to tweet us and uh, and kind of yeah, like let us know on Instagram. Yeah. Because, I mean, it came up on the Gareth Cliff show. Somebody asked, uh, was I think Gareth asked, 
like are, you, are people getting more dick pics than usual at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, people are bored, right? Uh, and people are horny, right? Uh, so, uh, I mean, logically. Uh, you know what? On that note, I think it's been, it's been an awesome <laughs> show. Uh, <laughs> I think I want to leave it on that. Are people getting more dick pics now than ever? Right, I think that's uh, that. That's such a great question. And on that note, I want to thank both of you guys for for hanging out this morning. To all of you at home, thank you so much for for listening. And we will catch you on Monday. We'll be back again. Hopefully, got a few uh, special guests for you. Um, we're we working on that. That'll be really really cool if we can get those um, one or two people on. So to you two, uh, that eighties show. Uh, do we have on this week? We're gonna do a replay this week. Because, right. uh, yeah, we just didn't get our shit together to make a new show. All right, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's punt it. Where can people listen? So they can listen at 11 a.m. on cliffcentral.com, on the app. It's also repeated at 5 p.m. So if you miss it, there's unfortunately no podcast because it's a, too much music, just too much music. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, let's not bore people with, with the details. But it's been, a, it's been an awesome show, and uh, that is it for this weekend. Have a great Easter. I hope you're all safe. You're feeling connected and feeling love, peace, love, happiness. Cliffcentral.com